Hey everyone, I believe that gratitude has been such an instrumental part of making my own recovery and life better that I want to create something called the Gratitude Zone. And what this is, is I would love for you, the listener, to send me a two to three minute audio clip letting me know who you are, what it is you do, what you're grateful for, and why. And then we're going to be posting it on future episodes of The Road Beyond Recovery. Feel free to send that to Tamar at theroadforward.ca and there will be more information in the show notes. When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost. Welcome to the Road Beyond Recovery podcast, and my name is Tamar, your host. Have you ever felt like you were meant for more? Well, I help people discover their purpose so they can follow their passion and realize what they are truly capable of. My mission is to empower people in recovery to embrace their authentic selves, live up to their true potential, and answer the question, what lies beyond recovery for you? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me today on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. I'm super excited because we have another amazing guest. And before we get started, I just want to share a bit of gratitude. So today I'm in incredibly grateful for the life that I have lived, including addiction and all. You know, I remember certain low points of my addiction, wondering how I had got there because a person like me who had an amazing upbringing should never, you know, end up like I had. And, you know, when I first got sober, I always looked at that as something that was negative. And, until I actually realized that the experience I had been through has actually allowed me the gift, which I call it now, my experience is my gift, to be able to help other people overcome the same as I had, right? Because I wasn't a low bottom drunk, right? I wasn't homeless, I wasn't institutionalized, and I'm very fortunate for that. And so I think there's a lot of people like me out there that have, you know, somewhat on the outside functioning lives, but then on the inside, they're in so much pain because they keep using different substances to basically numb what they're experiencing, right? Numbing their emotions. And I was really good at that. So today I'm incredibly grateful for the 22 years I spent in addiction. And of course, I'm incredibly grateful for what happened as a result of that experience, which has allowed me to do what I do today. Let's get into today's show. Today I chat with my friend Dominique Velasquez from Unique Pivot. And on this episode, Dominique shares her story and how she became dependent on painkillers, how her addiction had progressed, and what made her want to stop. We talk about what her early recovery looked like, And we talked about how, you know, our addiction doesn't define us. You know, we talk about how changing your mindset can change your life. And that's something, as you guys know, that I'm incredibly passionate about. So it was such a pleasure to have Dominique on the show. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everybody. I am hanging out with Dominique Velasquez. How are you today? 
I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story and spread hope. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. We had a great conversation before we hopped on. We probably should have been recording it because you always get some juicy tidbits. So why don't you tell us about yourself, what you do today? Well, my name is Dominique Velasquez. As you said, I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, born and raised. Um, I'm a wife, a mother, and I just became a grandmother in December 11th of 2020. Um, So I'm just, family is just my blessing. I'm so grateful to have my beautiful family and to be here for them, especially during the previous year we just went through. Um, I professionally, I am a finance manager for the city that I live in. So I've been in finance for 15 years. Um, But through my recovery and through the pandemic, it's led me to find my true purpose and that's spreading hope, empowering, empowering others and letting them know they're not alone. So that is why I've chose to share my story of recovery. I am a recovered opiate addict. Um, I used to feel very ashamed of that. And now I could say that I'm very grateful to have experienced addiction because it's actually led me to find my purpose and to help others and to finally just feel fulfilled. Um, I'm so grateful to be here today talking to you about this. Uh, And you know what, it's, you know, we talked briefly about the purpose thing. And I think that has made all the difference in my own recovery as well. And that's why I love it when people like yourself come on the show and share your stories, because I think then it gives that relatability, right? And everybody has such unique stories. And, you know, when I share my story, um, I always share that I had a really good upbringing because a lot of people, when I do share what I've been through, they're like, what you like, you could have, you you don't look like that person who would, you know, have gone through all that kind of stuff. So kind of, you know, what was life like growing up for you? And how did your addiction start? So I'm a twin, I have a twin sister, we're fraternal twins. And I was actually raised by my maternal grandparents. I did not know that they were my grandparents till about second grade. So as you can imagine, when we found that out, you kind of just get the carpet pulled from under your feet, kind of just a lot of questions. Um, I had always known my mother. She was always in my life, but she was my sister. I was raised at first that she was my sister and my aunts and uncles were my brothers and sisters. Um, So of course, when I discovered I was adopted, I then became curious of my who my father was. Um, I, I have a relationship with them now, you know, it was just trying to rebuild, lost a lot of years, as you can imagine. And I found out that I realized during my addiction, I kind of felt that I discovered what the root cause of my addiction was. I always felt that I just wasn't enough. Um, if my own father didn't want me, then who's going to want me? Um, but I've also discovered that my parents did the best they could for me with what they had at the time. And it was never about me. It was about what they were going through. And my worth never had nothing to do with that. And I know they love me. Um, so in 2010, I got woke up one morning with very debilitating stomach pain. Um, I got called, the ambulance got called out. To make a long story short, I went in by ambulance multiple times. The doctors at first couldn't uh, they didn't understand what where the pain was coming from, so they just chose to treat me with pain pills. Um, it was horrendous pain. Eventually, I got diagnosed with endometriosis, which is a disease that many females live with. 
and they just chose to continue to treat the pain rather than the disease. So it, that came with endless amounts of pain pills. I then had three surgeries. Um, one was pretty major. I had intestines removed. So the prescriptions just continued for straight two years. I did not know how pain pills work. I was not educated on what they were doing to my brain. All I knew is that when I took that pill um, for the first time, I felt a peace that I had never felt before. All my anxiety went away. I felt enough. I felt happy. I felt calm. Um, so that's when I, you know, bring that up. Everybody wants to feel that way. Who would not want to feel that way? Um, so when I first ran out of pain pills, I did not even realize I was experienced withdrawal symptoms. I just started feeling really sick and achy. And my twin sister is actually the one that made me aware that they were in fact withdrawal symptoms. Um, around the same time period, my grandfather who raised me, he got diagnosed with cancer. So he had endless amounts of pain pills. So when the doctors no longer refilled my prescription, I just thought to myself, I'll go take a few pills from him just to get through the day. The, the withdrawals are horrendous. And that actually led to four years of me going to his house and stealing pain pills from him. It completely took control of my life. I could not even function. I could not get out of bed without a pill. Um, I was stealing from him. I was being dishonest. I, it affected my job. It affected my family. Um, so when I finally reached out for help, I actually walked into a methadone clinic and I looked completely different than everybody in the clinic. And that's why I felt it was so important for me to share my story because addiction can happen to anybody. There is no, there's no, it does not discriminate, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it can happen to anybody. Um, I do not want others to go through what I went through. I actually had an accidental overdose in 2014. I actually took fentanyl. I did not realize at the time that it was about a hundred times stronger than morphine. Thank God I was at my grandparents when I overdosed. Um, the ambulance were called and I was minutes away, they said, from it being really bad. Um, so I finally surrendered and I just I said I need help. It was so scary. The reason why I didn't seek treatment earlier is because I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed of being judged. I was so ashamed of being a drug addict. Uh, and I'm here to share my story because nobody deserves to suffer in silence or to lose their life because they're ashamed. Um, you're not alone. And I will continue to share my story to give others hope. And, and that's why I'm here today sharing my story. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned the first time you got painkillers because I've heard it so many times throughout my recovery. And in my own addiction, you know, I started with uh, alcohol. I moved to harder drugs. I, you know, slipped a disc in my back. I was put on painkillers. So it just, like you said, it's that feeling, right? It's you get this piece, you get, you feel something that, you know, because we have this inability sometimes to deal with our emotions and it makes that go away, but it's so easy, you know, humans, I've read this before that humans can get addicted to anything that gives us pleasure. And we do it with food. We do it with all this kind of stuff. But I think, you know, my own doctor over the last, you know, 10 years won't prescribe me any narcotic pain medication because he knows that people will get addicted to it. And so I find that it's so 
that like just the, the, you know, um, prescriptions that they give to people now are so dangerous and anybody, like you said, can get addicted to it. Yes. You know, and I had no idea because it got to the point I wanted off those pills so bad, but when you're dependent and your body needs them to even function, it is the, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through. Um, I chose medically assisted treatment. And again, there's a stigma with that suboxone methadone. That's why I'm also an advocate for medically assisted treatment because it saved my life. I, I honestly don't know if I would be here right now. Um, if I didn't have that option. Yeah. It was, it was really hard. And, you know, and there really is nothing like we talked about before we started this interview, this isn't something that anyone should have to feel ashamed for. And I think that's why a lot of people don't ever get help because they, they think that they should be able to fix themselves. They should be responsible enough not to have these problems. But the reality is, I think in a way we all get addicted to something. It's just, what is that addiction for us? Right. And what is it going to take for us to get clean or sober? It doesn't matter. Whatever way works for you is what works for you. At least it has worked for you and led to where you are now. So what did those early days of your recovery look like? You know, what are kind of the steps you took to build that foundation in your life today? It was long, hard and exhausting. Um, I relapsed too many times to count the first two years. And then I would go down a spiral of like negative self-talk and, and almost just want to give up. But eventually I started using those relapses as an opportunity to figure out what my triggers are, how it happened. I learned to like give, to give myself grace because I was always it, in the place where I thought I had to like jump right back up and get right back to where I was prior to my relapse. But I truly learned how to give myself compassion. I learned to give myself love. I learned to talk to myself like I would talk to somebody that I loved, um, becoming aware of my thoughts. It's pretty crazy when you actually sit back and think about how we talk to ourselves. And when you kind of transition it and say, what I talk to my daughter that way, what I talk to my friend that way, what I talk to a stranger at a store that way. And I was like, my goodness, I am nicer to people, strangers and grocery stores than I am to my own self. So those first early years, it was really truly about awareness, truly being mindful of how I treated myself and really understanding the mindset that I was in to even want to relapse. Um, like you mentioned earlier, addiction is more of the um, solution at the time rather than the problem. For me, taking the pain pills was a solution to being uh, battling addiction, anxiety, feeling just feeling like I couldn't get through my days. So it was truly a solution for me. And I've, I've heard someone tell me, well, you know, your addiction's easier to get over because I'm a food addict and you have to eat to live. You don't have to take pills to live. And I think it's important to let people know that no matter what we turn to as an addict, it's because there's something deeper that needs to be addressed. We, we're kind of taught to like, you know, suck it up, let it go, don't make a big deal. And we continue to suppress and suppress suppression can lead to depression and oftentimes lead to some type of addiction. So it's important to feel your feelings. And, and that's the biggest um, advice I could give to somebody who's newly, who's new to recovery. Listen to yourself. If, if there's something, your intuition is so powerful. You have to give yourself love. You have to give yourself grace and put yourself first. 
Absolutely. And I love what you said about suppression, because I actually teach a program that's all based around neuroscience of change and, you know, our belief systems mindset. And that's one of the things they talk about in emotional intelligence is that all too often, you know, you said the suck it up thing, we're told just suck it up. Well, what actually happens in our brain when we feel an emotion, right? We feel it in our body. It goes to our brains. We identify that and then we, we suppress it. And it goes into our unconscious mind and it wreaks havoc in our unconscious mind. And people don't realize that. And I loved how you touched on, you know, the different types of addictions, because for food, that is one of my challenges today, because I have a number of different cross addictions. But I I find, again, it comes down to that comparison syndrome. It's, well, I almost did not come into recovery because I thought I wasn't homeless. I wasn't drinking vodka out of a brown paper bag, living under a bridge, right? I was very highly functioning at some points throughout my addiction. And if I was comparing myself and going, well, I'm not as bad as you, that gives me the excuse not to get better. And you were also a very highly functioning addict, correct? Yes. And I always say people never knew that I was dying inside because of the game face I wore every single day. Um, people thought just because of the house I lived in, the car I drove, the position I had, the way I looked, oh, what do you have to be stressed out about? What are you feeling down about? You have this, this, and that. And happiness and fulfillment does not come from external validations or external items. That's another thing that I really want to be an advocate for is it, you can't make assumptions on somebody's life just because of the way they look or the car they drive. We're all human and we're all going through something. And if we all just speak about it and normalize our challenges, um, this world could be such a beautiful place. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> you mentioned the car you drive and it makes me think of, you know, after I got divorced, like I lost everything after I got sober And I, my ex-husband and I had a a very nice vehicle. We, you know, didn't own it. Obviously we owed $75,000 to the bank. And at one point it got repossessed out of my driveway, you know, and I was um, bringing people to meetings for a while with my nice vehicle. And so one day I showed up in this little beater car that I rented from a friend and nobody had any idea. And one of the women said, what happened to your nice car? And I said, well, I don't really own it and I could never pay for it. So it got repossessed out of my driveway. And she said, I really thought you were well off. I thought you weren't like the rest of us. Mm. Right. And it was like, I'm exactly like you. Right. (laughs) So I love how you say that, you know, assuming because never, ever assume we have no idea what anybody's going through. And for people who appear to have it all together, it's inside, right? We're being torn apart. And that's how we're taught. I mean, growing up through my adolescence, our, and again, I, I, I always like to say our parents did the best they could. We, we do the best we can with what we know. And our parents always, okay, what do you want of you when you grow up? What are you going to do? So I was wired. I was programmed since a young child to get good grades, be the honor roll student, um, go to college, buy the beautiful house, get the high paying job, buy the nice car because we were taught that those accomplishments defined our value. And I am learning that it's complete opposite of that. Um, I am now trying to be the change that I wanna see and I'm trying to change this dynamic and mindset with my kids. 
it comes from internal. Your perfect, your value comes from internal. It doesn't matter what car you drive or getting straight A's in school. Um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, in, in, in school, I could get five A's and one C, but my parents would focus on the C. Like, so what did that teach me? Like, okay, I have to be perfect to be good enough. And so when I come across people and talk to them about their childhood, they're like, well, I, I never went through anything traumatic. You know, I wasn't abused. I didn't have alcoholic parents. But then when I break it down to the example I just shared with you about a report card, they're like, oh my gosh, I, I went through that too. Or I would clean the house perfectly, but I would leave a cup on the floor. So then my mom would be like, well, we're, pick up this cup again. Okay, I have to be perfect to be enough. So we carry that in our subconscious mind without even realizing it. And it can really affect us as adults. And that's something that I've really discovered through my self-discovery. I've always been a people pleaser. I was a perfectionist because I thought that gave me my value. Um, so it feels really amazing to rewire that story and to realize that I don't have to be perfect to be enough. <laughs> We're perfect the way we are. Yes, I, I love that. Cause it was the same, like my dad, really pushed me as, as a, I, I never got straight A's. I think the first A I got was I took a college course shortly after I got sober. It was the happiest day that I'd experienced academically, but it was always like, oh, well, you could do better. You could do better. And so for me, nothing was ever good enough. And then when I started doing my own stuff, it was like, well, this isn't good enough. I I'm not going to put this out there. I'm not going to share this with the world. And you know, and that has affected me and I've had to really work through that. Now I've been told, you know, it's better to put something that, out that's good and make it great than not put anything out at all. And so that is also something that's near and dear to me. And, you know, in terms of purpose, how, cause I really, we talked about this before, like it's been a gift to go through what we've been through. And if we didn't have that experience, we couldn't be on this level where we can relate to so many people that are struggling for the same thing. So how did you eventually find your purpose and realize that this was a gift? Early on in my, even when I was still actively addicted, I always knew that I wanted to share my story because nobody deserves to go. Um, addiction was living hell. It was living hell. I would have given up anything to not be addicted at that time. Um, so during the pandemic early on, I really started saying, okay, I really need to make sure I, you know, I'm only three years into recovery, one year in at that time. So I had to make sure I kept myself in a good place. So I started listening to self-development podcasts and following women that inspired me on social media. And I just had this tugging on my heart to share your story, Dominique, share your story. I was so, so scared to share my story. I actually hired a mentor to kind of guide me and support me. Um, and I kid you not, every single morning, I have a morning routine. Um, that's something very, very critical, I believe, also in my recovery. I start with the morning devotional. And I almost you know, kind of chickened out to share my story because it was really scary. But that morning, my devotional was, there's many girls that need to hear your story. Many women need to be inspired by, what, you know, by your voice, by, your, by what you went through. And God just kept whispering on my heart and whispering on my heart. So oh, sharing my story, what's so beautiful about sharing my story of recovery is not only am I helping others, but it helps me so much. It, it truly 
feels like a gift. I mean, what better gift than to help others and to help yourself at the same time? It's, it's such a blessing. And I think a lot of people don't realize that when they're vulnerable and they share what they've been through, it actually, it helps us more than it helps the person we're telling sometimes because we get this release and we get this, okay, I've just watched another human being potentially that light go on in their eyes when they realize they're so not alone in this, yes. you know? So, um, you know, in terms of coaching women, because now you've been able to use your story to help coach women, you have a six step process that you, you go through with women. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So it's called pivot. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a finance manager, that's the professional side of me. And I use pivot tables, which is an Excel spreadsheet where I can take like an infinite rows of data and I can manipulate the data, display it in tables any way I want to. So I can really focus on the negative stuff or I can focus on the positive stuff. So when I started thinking about how I wanted to get my message and my program built, I was like, oh my God, it's pivot because all this information has been in front of me this entire time. It's how I chose to view it. How I, what I chose to focus on perspective, um, you could look at the glass half empty or half full. So I realized that my recovery tools were in front of me my entire life. I just didn't know how to, how to display the information. Um, so Pivot, um, it's a six-step program, and each letter stands for an acronym um, or a couple acronyms. Uh, P is purpose and prayer. The first thing I did was surrender to God. Um, I couldn't do this alone. Whatever your belief is in, God, universe, whatever, just know that you're not alone. And then also purpose. We all have a purpose, a gift inside us that makes you feel whole, that you can help others with. I is information. I started educating myself on pain pills and neuroscience, how my subconscious mind works, why I kept relapsing. Um, our subconscious mind is so powerful. Once you learn to really go in there and identify stories that really serve you, that's when your whole life can change. It's, it's magic. It's it's amazing. A V is for voices and visualization. We have to have a vision and know that any, anything is possible. Think back to when we're kids and they ask you, what do you wanna be when you grow up? I wanna be a unicorn. And then life hits us and it's like, wait a minute, that's not possible. I, I have to be an attorney or an accountant or you know all these whatever society calls successful. We start dimming our light and we start not believing that anything's possible. So in order to get somewhere that you wanna go, you have to have a vision. Um, our vision is our GPS system. If you don't know where you wanna go, how do you know how to get there? So I love visualization work. O is for own it. I had to realize that I am fully responsible for my life. Life happens for me, it does not happen to me. I had to get out of a victim mentality. Um, during my addiction, I was a victim, right? My dad didn't want me, I was adopted. I'm not good enough, it's his fault, their fault. I had to own it. And what's beautiful about owning it is that you get to create your life. Um, that's just such a magical thing and such a powerful thing for us to know that we have. Um, and then it's two T's, truth and trust. We have to be truthful. We have to just own our story, don't carry shame, be completely truthful with people that we may have hurt in our active addiction, people we manipulated during our active addiction. And the last step, most importantly, is trust and trust in yourself. I used to beat myself up so bad during addiction. Um, God, you know, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you're a loser. 
So to learn that I can trust myself and that I am, I'm enough, yeah, I'm enough and I am worthy of what I need and what I want in life. And that's ultimately what my program's about. And it's just, I'll use these steps for the rest of my life because I realize these steps can help you in any situation. It doesn't necessarily just have to be drug addiction. We all deserve to know our worth, to know anything is possible and that we are enough. I love that so much. And you said the word perspective in there. And, you know, we, we both talked about how 2020 was actually, you know, it was a terrible year for some, but for you and I, it was probably one of the best years that we've had. And I think, you know, when you discover your purpose, that can really make a difference. And your vision, like you said, because I had a crystal clear vision of what I wanted in my life. And then when COVID hit, everything stopped, everything slowed down. And instead of looking at it like, oh, I'm trapped. I thought, okay, especially for me, because I suffer from depression, right? It's been something that's been, you know, it comes and goes throughout my life. Um, I knew I could either sit in my pity pot, or I could actually make something of this time that I have and looked at look at it as a gift again. So you talk as well how 2020 was one of the best years of your life. So can you talk about that and just perspective? Because I think a lot of people need to hear that. Yes, during when I the isolation first occurred, when I got sent home from my office, you know, now I'm like in my room all day long by myself when all my life I've been surrounded with others. I really knew that I'd always be susceptible to anxiety, depression, which can lead to addiction. So that's when I said, okay, you know what? I might be isolated, but I have all this time now to be in my beautiful home. I have time to spend with my husband, my kids, my dogs. Um, so I chose to focus on what was possible for me during this pandemic rather than what was not possible for me. I have a very close family member that unfortunately she, she's struggling herself with addiction right now because of the pandemic. She felt very isolated. And that's just proof that we really do have the power. I know it can be difficult sometimes and easier said than done, but where energy, where, where energy goes, that's where, where your mindset goes to support you, or it can take you down a road that you don't want to go down. So I really chose every single day to focus on the positive. Um, and I have, like I said, 2020 was probably one of the best years of my life to be able to wake up every morning and have a purpose and have energy and to be optim optimistic and just feel enough in your own skin without having to drown myself in pills. Uh, during my active addiction, I had to take multiple pills just to even get out of bed. I would set my alarm like a half an hour before I had to get up because I'd be kind of like in slight withdrawals going through the night without pain pills. So I would actually have to take several pain pills to even get out of bed. So to be able just to wake up every morning and be in, you know, be feel good in my own skin is a freaking blessing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I know when I was still working my corporate job, I would get up at three 30 to do what I love first for my coaching business and for the podcast, because that was the stuff that got me fired up. And, you know, I've just recently really looked at, you know, the perspective of things. And I hear a lot of people say, well, I don't have it in me. I don't have the willpower to do this. And especially people who have suffered from addiction, it's like, actually you do, because, you know, if you look back at your own addiction, you know, can you think of when you were resilient, right? You're alive. 
were you persistent? Did you do anything that you needed to do to get your fix? You know, were you um, resourceful, right? You talk about getting pills elsewhere. So, you know, how does that look for you? Because, you know, we do have all the skills. We use them in our addiction. If now we can change them to good, right? And that's what I say. Those of us who have struggled with addiction are the most resilient, strongest people that will ever walk this planet. So again, it's all about perspective. I could have sat, I could sat, I could sit here and collect negative evidence. If I want to focus on my addiction, you know, I was a bad mom. I missed events for my kids. I was stealing from my grandfather. I could easily gather evidence or I could gather evidence for something that serves me. Oh my gosh, Dominique, look what you have overcome. Look what you went through. You still got up and went to work every single day to feed your family when you were suffering immensely, physically, mentally. So again, it's all about mindset. Um, Mindset tools are a game changer. I really think they should teach this stuff in school. Uh, I just happened to stumble across like neuroscience, mindset tools, mindfulness because of my recovery. And that's that's really unfortunate. That's so unfortunate that it took me digging to discover all this when I really think we need to teach our youth about this. 100% 100% agree. Um, you know, I, I so many things what you just said resonated with me. But do you, you know, when you look back, because I will oftentimes look back just to be reminded of where I came from so that I don't go back there. And, you know, you and I both mentioned that we've just created these lives for ourselves that not they don't make us want to go back. So do you still sometimes reflect to the past just to make sure that you keep that close enough that you don't want to go back there? you know, I still get emotional. Um, as a matter of fact, last weekend, I I started just crying and sobbing and my my husband heard me. He's like, what's wrong? I can hear you in here. I'm like, I'm just thinking back of everything I went through with addiction and what I've overcome. Um, so to answer your question, it's yes. Um, I'll never forget. Excuse me. I'll never forget what I went through because what I went through got me to where I'm at today. Um, so for anybody listening that's in active addiction, I, I know the despair. I know you could feel so alone. You could feel hopeless, but I promise you, you're not alone. And I know asking for help is one of the scariest things, but you deserve to ask for help. And I promise you, you will feel a thousand pounds lighter once you surrender. You deserve, you deserve it. You deserve peace, you deserve happiness, and you're not alone. So true. And like, so well said. So, you know, for those listening right now that need help, um, how can they reach you? Well, I'm really excited. I, I actually launched a podcast in late 2020. So they, it's, um, I'm sorry, did I say a podcast? I meant website <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, at unique pivot with two T's. So you can find me and can actually connect with me there. And I'm also very active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is unique pivot with one T. I love getting on Instagram and just sharing information, sharing hope. Um, so please just know that you're, you're there. And there's so many beautiful people in this recovery community. I had no idea the connections that I would make. That was just like icing on the cake. When I first came out with my story, so many people came to me and just supported me. And I considered it was an instant connection. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I meet somebody who's gone through recovery, 
I just want to hug you. And I, I mean, I could give you a hug right now because it's, an, it's a connection that yeah. if you walk that walk, it's such a connection you have with others. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. I was just having this conversation the other day with someone that we really have this gift of fellowship across the world. And especially when we put ourselves out and I love the videos you put on Instagram, by the way, <laughs> so uh, you do such a great job, but we wouldn't even COVID. I mean, I, I thank COVID to some of this because we have had to learn how to go online. We have kind of connected and bonded because we were forced to connect with people a different way. And I think that's been just absolutely amazing, but you know, thank you so much for being on the show. I absolutely thank you for sharing your story and also the emotion that came with it, because I feel that way too. When I talk about it, it's just, it's, it is a gift and I get emotional now because I hope that it impacts somebody. I hope somebody listening goes, I can change too. If they can do it, I can do it. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be on your show and thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, together we can end the stigma and the, the more that we talk about it and the more we can normalize the conversation and save lives. Um, so thank you so much for allowing me on your platform. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I sure did. And don't forget, if you haven't joined us already, come check out the Collaboration Zone Zoom call party. This is a Zoom call where you get to network, meet like-minded entrepreneurs in recovery. You get to share what you do, who you serve, and what you need some support on. So I look forward to having you on the call. You can join the call by heading over to www.theroadforward.ca slash collaboration zone. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the road beyond recovery. Did you know that our dreams can become a reality when you determine your purpose in life and you allow that purpose to guide you? Anything is possible. It just takes action. Don't wait until you're ready. Start to create the life you were truly meant to live right now. I am super passionate about my mission to help people live up to their true potential. So if you want to learn more, check out my website at www.theroadforward.ca. And until next week, keep exploring what lies beyond recovery for you.